Almost every time we sing that song, I think about camp. I think about Aiden four or five years ago, singing that song by himself, all three verses. I can remember. And I'm thinking, what does he know about the battle belongs to the Lord? And I'm thinking, what do we know? about the battle belonging to the Lord. We really do not see the breadth of that battle, the depths of that battle, nor do we fully comprehend the Lord who wages that battle against Satan and is able to give us the victory. We catch a little bit of that in the book of Daniel, and in chapter 3 with the three Hebrew children. I think about Jeremiah, excuse me, Jeremiah as well. Taking a class on Jeremiah, I remember the, the professor talking about Jeremiah, talking about the good feet, the pigs. One translation has the naughty pigs. All the time they got what the naughty pigs were. But those who remained in Jerusalem thought they were the good pigs. Those that went into captivity they thought were the naughty pigs. And Jeremiah had to remind them you got it wrong. Those who go into captivity are the good pigs. They're the ones that will come back from captivity and do God's bidding from which the, the Messiah would come. Those that remained in Jerusalem were the naughty pigs. They would not be faithful or remain faithful to God within their lives. You look at Daniel and just looking at it briefly and considering the time frame, considering the historical setting that, it, that it's in, there needs to be that constant reminder that that battle does belong to the Lord. Israel, Judah here, is being punished for their wickedness that they've demonstrated down through the years, basically since coming up out of the land of Egypt. Their lack of trust and faith throughout their life power of the Lord. Being reminded as we are that he is all powerful, he rules supreme, he controls the universe, and Daniel would remind us he is him that brings kingdoms to rise and kingdoms to fall. And again, when you're reminded with that image that <coughs> Nebuchadnezzar saw, there were four of the most ungodly kingdoms upon the face of the earth. God controlled them, and God had a purpose for them in the fulfilling of his plan, which we may not fully understand. But it always comes down to that individual. The majority would not make that trip into Babylon. But those who did, 
They would be the ones that would have to remain strong. Daniel and the three children, and others that were there as well. They would have to be reminded that you're going there for 70 years. And you're going to be there for the full duration. They had some false prophets that were trying to tell the people that you go into captivity, but you're only being there for three years, and then you're coming back out. Jeremiah would have to remind them, no, no. You kept the full 70 years. So when you get there, you might as well build your houses. You could lament being removed. And we do that in our life. We lament our circumstances. We lament where we may be and what we're going through. And we forget the Lord. He is in control. And he has a way of desiring to test his people. We're reminded in Hebrews 11, particularly in verse 6, that without faith it is impossible to please God. One who comes to God must be must believe that he is. But it's more than that, isn't it? Not only must you believe that God is, we have a world that gives some acknowledgement to that creed that God is. But they don't believe the rest of it. Must believe that God is. That he is a rewarder of those that do what? Diligently seek him. He's not just a rewarder. He desires to be a rewarder of all humanity. Like he said the Son. But most of the humanity will not respond. And even those of God's people all the way down through time who should have responded to the grace and the mercy of God who did not. And all the way through, we have this comment. There will be a remnant that will be saved. A remnant. A portion. A small portion. And that's all that's going to remain. The rest, given the opportunities, and choose not to follow. And that's the charge for us as we look at our lives. We, will we be faithful to God? And throughout the scriptures, God has always tested his people in order to confirm indeed do they have faith in him? Do we trust him? Under the most unusual, the most difficult, the most hardship circumstances in which any human being could seek to find themselves, do we trust God enough to do his will? It's always easy to serve God when you're being blessed. Always easy to be faithful to Him when you're being receiving many multiple blessings along the way and things are going well. But it's another story as God people have always have to go through. What do you do when the going gets tough? Do you keep that faith in God? We tend to look with those physical eyes because that's what God has given to us. We tend to look at physical circumstances in which we find ourselves because that's how we're built. And at times we forget that 
But Paul would remind us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. We are this new creation. We put our trust in God. We believe that he is there, and that he died for, that Jesus died for our sins in order that we might live. But then it's the living that we get to work with, and the living that we get to trust. Oftentimes, as we look in the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, being led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, being with Without food for 40 days, and you've heard me say that 40 minutes about my limit, and I want my Snickers bar. Uh, but 40 days without food, he was hungry. And the temptation is the desire to do, along with the capability of doing what is being desired. If you be the Son of God, turn these stones to bread. There was a desire. He was hungry. He said he was hungry. There had to be the ability to accomplish that purpose. Could he turn stones to bread? He made the world. Yes, he could. But he had to realize, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written. And it's written in Deuteronomy 8, in verse 3. I've always told you, if you read verse 3, you need to read verse 2. You're going to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You need to understand why. God wants to test you. He led Israel 40 years in the wilderness to test them, to see if they would serve God with the whole heart. You look at that wilderness threat, you look at Israel as they're facing the land and going into the land of Canaan and what they saw in that land. You look at Israel as they established their kingdom in the land. You look at Israel as they lived there and as they intermingled with the people around them. You look at Israel as they're facing the 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Do you trust God with all your heart? God wants to know what's in your heart. Why would you serve him? You're given the book of Job for a part of that answer. Again, that concept that God is able and God is willing and God can say to Satan, have you considered my servant Job faithful? Does what's right Hates what's Confidence. Confidence that God has in his people. The confidence that he has in you. And as we say that about others, we have the record of that. But you just think about it. That the creator of the universe could say about a specific individual in a given time, in a limited lifespan, you look at my servant. You tell the great tempter, he will serve you all the days of his life. And he will not give in to 
Deus ama. Você para o homem se atribuiu. We forgive. You look at the host of armies. How many of us would identify with Elisha's servant rather than Elisha? And the Syrian our king sends a whole army to bring one man and his servant in. A whole army. The servant wakes in the morning, he looks out, and the hills are just surrounded with the enemy. And he's concerned, what are we going to do? And Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. I believe he's saying, open his eyes that he may see what is already there. The host of the angels. We look around and we see that we are surrounded, we're outnumbered, we're underpowered, and there's no escape. But do we see what the Lord has? What he's doing? The battle belongs to the Lord. He wants to know what is in our spiritual hearts. Will we waver? Will we give in? And in this morning, you go back and you look at the latter part of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35 and follow, the latter part of 35 and down to the remainder of that chapter. And you read about what happens with God's people. And you read earlier, they did not waver. They saw him who was unseen. They trusted him who could bring back the dead back to life. They saw the faith that they could have and the conviction. Jesus says, Do not fear the one who can kill the body, but not the soul. I tell you the one to fear, fear the one who can destroy both. The body and the soul in hell. Don't fear the one who miskilled the body. And that's one of those easier said than done. See, the one who can kill the body is the one I see. I've not seen the one who can destroy the body and the soul. My perception is off. My perception is off. Why do I fear the one who can only take the body? The body's going to die anyway. At some given point in time, the body's going to die. Why do I fear the one who can destroy the body? The one to fear is the one who can destroy the body and the soul. That's the one they have reverence for. That's the one they have respect for. That's the one to stand in awe of. And knowing that that one who has that power cares for me. And works with me and supports me and lifts me up when I fall. Well, we have that beautiful Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. You 
God in his staff that comfort me. And I can burn in the house of the Lord forever. Get the perspective right in our life. And God gives us those opportunities. We don't have to go looking for them. They're going to come your way. They come unexpectedly. You, you can th- sit there and try to prepare for them. But then they all come unexpectedly. And what do we do? God wants to test our integrity. Oh, how I love the Lord. He said. He is my everything. He said. God wants to know the integrity of your statements, the integrity of your songs, the integrity of your thoughts. Do you honestly believe that? Each step I take, I take with the Lord. That's going to be, excuse me, that's going to be put to the test. That integrity. Do I honestly believe what I say? So many times you find yourself, I find myself in the midst of the battle before you realize what a battle I'm in. And so many times I forget who's in control. We're told that we fight weapons that are not carnal, fleshly. We fight, we fight a battle that we don't see, that's spiritual. And we always just put our trust in the one who's able to do that. God wants to keep us. He's no longer on hands. The test comes to strengthen us. The more you fight, the stronger you become. The more you resist, the better able you are to resist. And when you get the rug jerked out from under your feet and you fall flat on your back, you know it's not over. The physical world tells you that. To quote one of the actors, John Twain. Just get up one more time and you're not there. That's what makes you get up one more time and you're not there. You don't get up there. If you just get up a few times, one is because you have God helping you with that picture. Two, you have God giving you comfort that you need to get up again. Three, God gives you the strength. Get up and face another day, another hour, face another battle along the way. The Lord wants to test our heart to see if we're doing what is right. As the New Testament closes out in the book of Revelation, over in chapter 22. Dropping down to verse 12. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his works. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. 
Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right. That's that. Those that do his commandments have a right to expect that they have a right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Wow. Those who do what's right, God will reward. And there is an expectation that he will keep indeed what he has promised. You think about Abraham being told to go off the castle. Wrestle with that. But wrestle with Abraham's faith in God. That God is able to what is humanly impossible to do. Abraham will walk up your son Isaac upon the altar. And Isaac shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now I want you to go up and offer him that's an offering. Wow. The scriptures remind us that Abraham believed that the one who promised was able to keep his promise. But through Isaac, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. So if Isaac would offer it up as a sacrifice, and it's through Isaac that all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed, then the Lord is going to bring Isaac back to life. From the conclusion that he can draw, he's going to raise him again. He'll raise him up. Do you have that confidence in God? the balance that belongs to the Lord. I have no way to surmise what's coming down the pipe. I have no way to understand the battles that have to be faced. No way to understand this will of God and using ungodly nations to accomplish His purpose. No way to put it all together that it makes sense to a human being. And then I remind myself, that's all that I am. I'm a human being. The beginning of days and the end of days. I'm a human being that has a life that is described as a vapor that appears a little while and then vanishes away. How do I expect that I'm going to comprehend? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. What is your faith based upon? Is it based upon that Word of God? Do you have assurance that God keeps His Word? That's why He's given us the written Word. The spoken word, we have the 
tendency to embellish as time goes on. We tend to remember things in one way and then we tend to add to those things as time goes forward. The longer I live, the more I enjoy my childhood. So I make statements that I think I made that thing in my lifetime that I did that. But I thought they were good at the time and I'd be destroyed and I'd get next. I tell my family I could, like for 16 years, it took for 16 years to learn that I did not, I did not have to fight with my little sister in some way. I said, now I just do it for fun. I'm in it now. I'm just in it. I've done between me and God. I do not want to suffer for being a victory. That is something that's true. And that will not ever. And I can only do that by you as we sing. And I step in the way. And I see you. And only in you do I put my hands. And I do not understand what that God is. But it is based upon what we're going to see. Thank you. 